Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the paddocks. Today, we're going to be getting out our crystal balls, and we're going to be predicting the, the Austria Grand Prix. Before that, though, we're going to give a little background history on the Red Bull track and how last year's race went down. Our psychics today are Amy, Meg, Ito, Hannah, Leanne, and myself, Chelsea. So we're going to start off with Ito, and she's going to give us a little bit of background info. Yeah, the Austrian GP, or as its official name is, Großer Preis von Österreich, has been held on and off since the mid-1960s. While for most of its existence, it has been held at the purpose-created Österreichring, literally translating to Austria circuit, the track that was used beforehand actually is, I would argue, the most unique track F1 has ever raced on. Though, because of that uniqueness, the Österreichring was created just two and a half miles down the road in Spielberg. Now, you might ask why I just made that rather bold statement that the Zedwig is so unique. I say this because it was actually an airfield for the Austrian Air Force. Due to this, the track surface was actually not made for cars, and the layout in general was just way too dangerous. They only raced there as part of F1 in 64, after which the purpose-built circuit was introduced in 1970. If you'd think that by creating this new track, everything would go smooth, you'd be sorely mistaken, sadly. It was mostly known as a track of long, high-speed corners, which means danger. Meaning that fatal accidents like the one in 1975 by Mark Donahue and the post-crash of Vittorio Brambilla that same year weren't uncommon. That is why over the years the track would see the introductions of chicanes and other safety measures. But even that didn't stop the FIA from deeming the track too dangerous in 87 and taking it off the calendar until 97. When it was reintroduced as the A1 or for our English speakers, A1 track. Sadly, there's no link to the steak sauce that I could find. And I looked, believe me, because it would have been a fun fact. But this reintroduction only happened after it was totally rebuilt. But even that iteration wouldn't stay on the calendar for long, as it once again disappeared from the calendar after 2003. Most recently, since 2016, it has been known as the Red Bull Ring Grand Prix Circuit. The track's layout is 4.318 kilometers, aka 2.683 miles, with 10 turns and a duration of 71 laps. It has been called the Red Bull Ring or some version thereof since 2011. In 2004, Dietrich Mateschitz, the late co-founder of Red Bull, purchased the track before doing extensive renovations on it. Hence why there was no form of racing held there until 2011, with Formula One returning in 2014. Interestingly, during the modified 2020 season, there was even 
two F1 races held at the track in the form of a doubleheader in order to minimize travel. The first one being held on June 2nd as the opening race of the season, as the original opener that year, Australia, was cancelled at the last minute. That race was named the Austrian GP as normal. The following week, however, the circuit was used with the same layout and everything, but it was named Styrian GP after the surrounding area. The Styrian GP would make a comeback the following year due to the cancellation of the Canadian GP and the postponement of the Turkish GP. While the circuit as it stands now isn't a particularly difficult one, like for example, Spa, Monaco, or Monza, it does have something special because after the death of three-time Austrian F1 champion, Nicky Lauda, in 2019, Turn 1 was named Nicky Lauda Turn in his honor. In terms of records on this track, we have Carl Sainz, who set the fastest lap in 2020 at 1 minute 5.619 seconds. In terms of most wins, we have a three-way tie since its inception in 1963. With three wins each going to Joseph Ert, a Swiss driver from the 60s, Alain Prost, a French driver that competed between 1980 and 1993, and the current World Drivers' Champion, Max Verstappen. In terms of constructor, we have Ferrari ahead with seven wins. Although with the whole idea of the most wins, at least for the drivers, I have to say... It can be argued that some of those wins don't really count because while a race was held at a Austrian GP circuit in 1965, 68, and 69, all three of those races were not part of the official F1 calendar. And therefore, an argument can be made that Ferrari's 65 win as well as Sifford's wins in 68 and 69 shouldn't be counted. But that is neither here nor there. Plus, Sifford's second win was technically a shared win with Kurt Arendt Jr., but that's a whole different story and just goes to show how crazy F1 was. But now on to the present. For the history of Austria, let's talk about last year's GP and give you a rundown. So last year we had a good quality sprint and race from the teams, but also kind of crazy. So the winners of quality were, of course, Max in P1, Charles in P2, and Carlos was in P3. But Sergio, aka Checo, was in fourth. So Red Bull and Ferrari were really head-to-head last season. Sprint, though, was quite interesting. We saw a few incidents between Hamilton and Gasly at the start, but also from Alex and Sebastian at the start as well. And then Fernando Alonso and the other Alpine actually didn't even make it to the sprint after failing to get going at the start of the formation lap due to a car failure and ended up getting pushed back to the garage. Which was quite funny if you haven't seen that. Like, everybody's going and then you just see all of his people come out there and, like, push him back to the paddocks. And you're just like, what's going on? Like, what happened? 
Max Verstappen ended up leading from start to finish in the sprint, sealing his second sprint victory of the season. Verstappen fought off both Ferrari drivers who were very head-to-head with him at the beginning of the sprint before taking off and crossing the line with nearly only two seconds ahead of Charles. However, after battling with his teammate earlier in the sprint, Carlos Sainz did end up getting third place ahead of the Mercedes driver George Russell in fourth. And then, of course, our favorite part, race weekend. So the final podium was P1 was Charles Leclerc, P2 Max Verstappen, and P3 was Lewis Hamilton. Leclerc started the day in second, but ended up overtaking Verstappen three times throughout the race. Even with Charles having a late throttle issue, he still ended up sealing the victory at the Red Bull ring. Verstappen had almost settled for third as he was being attacked by Carlos Sainz, but kept a hold of P2 when Sainz's engine actually caught fire. So then you get the iconic picture of him just sitting out in the gravel, very frustrated and upset. Sad days. Lewis Hamilton and the Mercedes um, ended up, due to Carlos's engine catching on fire, getting P3 for the third race in a row. George Russell, though, overcame early damage and a penalty, but still ended up in fourth ahead of Esteban Ocon, who was in fifth, and Mick Schumacher, who got sixth, which Mick killed that race. So if I could give you any recommendation of a race to go watch, Austria 2022 was Perfect example of good overtakes, DNFs, yellow flags, all that. It was a good day, though, for the McLarens with Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo both finishing in the points with them being 7th and ninth, with Kevin Magnussen in 8th and to round up the top 10, Fernando Alonso in 10th. The Austria race weekend, however, past tense and present, has a semi-different race schedule since they include a sprint race. On Friday, there is one practice session, FP1, and then instead of FP2, you're actually going to go straight into qualifying for the sprint race that takes place right after. And then on Saturday, there is a practice session in the morning, aka FP2, and then the sprint race happens. A sprint race is a shorter version of the actual race that brings home points for the drivers, but not as many as a normal race would, as points only go to the top eight instead of the top ten. Sundays are still the same with the full grid pre-GP taking place. And now on to some of our predictions and what we hope for for the upcoming weekend. In terms of predictions, I don't know at this point. I mean, my gut says Max and Red Bull will bring it home, even if the gap to second place is slowly but very surely shrinking. As at Canada, it was down to 9.5 seconds which is a huge leap when you think about it was 38.6 seconds, so over half a minute at the start of the season in Bahrain. And I mean, who doesn't remember Max basically going for a Sunday drive in that race? The question, though, is do I want to see another Red Bull or Max win at this point? Or would it be poetic justice for them to be the dethroned for the first time this season at their home race. To be honest, I would have to say I want someone else to win because I just want excitement. And that's why I'm going for Lewis P1, Fernando P2, but maybe even 
have there be a repeat of the 1969 race that I mentioned earlier and have them share the top step. I don't know whether the current modern F1 rules would allow for that, but who knows? And then I have to include my baby boy Charles for top three. While I know that podium might be unlikely, I don't think it is too far-fetched while still spicing some things up. Like always, I'm just hoping for points for my two McLaren boys. It's I, I That's the least I could ask for at this point. And Austria typically has been really good for Lando, and he's done well at Austria in the past. In fact, that was where he got his first ever podium. So maybe we'll see him on the podium again, praying, using all my energy and vibes going to that. But at the least, just a points finish from both of them, especially since these upgrades are coming this weekend and we're going to start to see how those impact the car. I'm excited, especially since Andrea, Zach, Lando and Oscar are all pretty optimistic about these upgrades. And they've all said, like, we're not going to make a huge jump, but we're hoping for at least making up for like a tenth of a second on our competitors. And their main focus right now, from what they're saying, is Alphatari and Williams. So they're just hoping to be out in front of them. And they have been keeping pretty private with the updates that are supposed to happen. But from what I've heard, they're supposed to get upgrades to the floor, side pods, and engine cover. They've also said it's supposed to be a completely different looking car. So I'm excited to see what they bring this weekend, and hopefully it can do well for them. And they are saying it could take up to three races to see the full potential of that car, but I'm just excited they're doing something different. And as for who I think will realistically finish on the podium, I'm going with Max and P1, just because he's Max and how the rest of the season has gone. Uh, Fernando and P2, and Charles and P3. The Aston Martin and Ferrari are both slowly closing in on the pace, the Red Bull, and Mercedes is as well. Just, they're all increasing at different speeds within each other. Like, one's increasing faster than the other, and the upgrades for certain teams are more promising and working better. I think Fernando is hungry for a win at this point, and will do anything in his power and whatever he can to finish on top and get that win. And I'm honestly hoping for it. Because who wouldn't love to see Fernando win? But, I mean, a reality check, nobody's going to beat Max unless he crashes or DNFs or someone runs him off the road. So, um, or, I don't know, maybe the upgrades start to kick in for some of these other teams and they can finally overtake Max, but... I will say, to give you some positive Lando thoughts, it's supposed to rain the afternoon, so I assume quality time, and then it's going to rain at sprint. So, from your weather girl, Leanne, Lando might have a chance to get a little bit high up for race day. And I'm hoping for that because my boy thrives in the rain. Like, I don't know what it is. It's like he injects something into his body and he just goes on, like, overkill, overdrive mode. And he becomes, like, a killer. And he's like, I'm, I must get into the top three in the rain. And he, he manages to do it. So, I mean, praying for rain, doing a rain dance. Because also the McLaren works better in colder temperatures. So. I am hopeful to see Charles return to the podium as well because he seems to be a little bit more positive about the car and have a little bit more faith in whatever Ferrari is doing. 
And in Canada, I'm very proud of him and Carlos because they finally stood up to Ferrari and were like, no, we're doing this. And it worked. So hopefully the team will start listening to them. And Charles did get blessed by a priest this week. He did. So hopefully, hopefully our boy Jesus or God, if you believe in that or whatever you believe in, hopefully that helps. Because, you know, we're accepting of whatever you believe in. I'm, whatever you believe in, that can help Charles, you know? So hopefully that priest's blessing helps. And if you, I'm sure if you light a candle or something or say a couple prayers or pray the rosary, I don't know what works. But I, I'm very proud of them. And hopefully the strategy can start getting better for Ferrari because Charles and Carl. <laughs> Sorry, Leanne held up a candle of Harry Styles as Jesus. But I'm hoping the strategy can get better because they finally set up for themselves and hopefully Ferrari will start listening to them. I will say that last year at Red Bull, Checo did DNF and have some issues and Max was struggling with the car as well. While it was not known what was going on, he did struggle despite even getting P2. So maybe because it's their home race, they almost psyched themselves out. I don't know, but I think for myself, and I'm going to knock on wood as I do that, I would love to see a good finish from Ferrari or McLaren. I truly think they deserve it. I'd have to agree, though, with Megan on this one, as her P1, P2, and P3 are spot on realistically. Um, But I'd probably switch Fernando and Charles just because I want Charles to do great in P2. But that's just me. I do think that if Lando can dominate in sprint and quality, we could see a high finish slash podium for him, which would be great, especially since there's predictions for rain. We know the McLaren car dominates in rain and or him. But I do have to admit that Mercedes is doing very good this year, despite a pretty rough start at the beginning. So I wouldn't be upset if Lewis got pretty high and or podiums, but only Lewis, please. With it being the Red Bull ring, if the stress gets to the team in their home stomping grounds, like I said before, will we see Checo pull out a good race or will we see him retire the car again due to an incident? Or maybe we'll get our first issue with Max in his car. I don't know. I'm pretty up in the air. I don't traditionally do predictions, but hopefully mine come true. Um. As the Red Bull girl, I decided I wanted to be a little bit different with my approach this week with my predictions. This is kind of what I would call my chaotic pipe dream of a prediction. I really would love to see Lewis in P1, Lance in P2, and Charles in P3. Fastest lap, I have to give it to Max. But for me, driver of the day has to be Alex. I just... Of it. Is any of this even possible? Outside of Max having the fastest lap, I kind of doubt it, but a girl can dream. I'm over here manifesting my butt off, trying to see if I can pull this off, but only time will tell. As everybody's mentioned, it's supposed to rain this weekend, and I know we will really likely see Lando, Max, Fernando, and K-Mag showing up and showing out and showing how good they are in wet conditions. But with it being the Red Bull ring, we know that those Red Bull boys are going to have so much pressure to perform at the top of the leaderboard. And Checo's been on the back foot a little bit recently. So I'm really hoping that we can see a little bit more of the old 
Minister of Defense back this weekend. But speaking of Checo, I do want to give him a little bit of a shout out and congratulate him. Him and his wife just announced that they're actually going to be having their fourth little kid. Um, so congratulations, Checo. I am definitely expecting some seriously out-of-pocket comments from Christian Horner and a lot of Orange Army fans to show up, especially for Max. Again, with the rain and forecast, maybe we'll have some more DNFs than normal. I'm really hoping that we get some Darth Toto sightings this weekend because it just always makes everybody's day. Are they the Orange Army? Or I like to think of them as the Papaya fans. It's like Lando and Oscar think of them because they always turn it into... (laughs) being McLaren fans, which I think is really funny. And I think they honestly do it just to make themselves feel better, but... Oh, absolutely. They absolutely do, and I love it. But, I don't know. Orange is orange, so... But at the same time, do you guys remember last year when they set off the orange smoke bombs? And how then the track organizers and the FIA had to come out and say, no more smoke bombs, please? They're going to be upset. Either it's going to be the FIA and the track organizers that are going to be upset because they somehow smuggled in the orange smoke bombs, or it's going to be them upset for not being able to set them off, I feel like. Because we all know the Orange Army, no matter whether they're McLaren fans or Max fans, we know they're intense in a good way. I will say, though, despite the fact that they should not have done that, the pictures were absolutely amazing to see and even like watching that on the screen as it was happening was iconic because you're like those are true fans like they care and i i love that if i could get away with that in coda i would definitely do it but probably not and it is so right the photos are fantastic but my favorite thing about it is was watching it during the race and being able to see it when you got drivers on boards, they were literally driving through this like orange fog. It was like, felt like you were like watching a little bit of a clip from a random like F1 horror film or something. But I just love that Max's fans are so unapologetically Max fans. It's kind of just fantastic. I will say Max fans are devoted and truly love him. So I'll give it to them. Now, my predictions, I'm not going to lie. I think it's funny when we do these episodes because we can be as chaotic as we want. But at the end of the day, Red Bull has had like a monopoly on the podium. So, I mean, even last year we had Max on the podium. He was behind Charles, but he was still there. So I will say I have some hope for Ferrari. Maybe we can see some of their strategy work for Montreal, skip the car problems from last year, and just qualify in the top five. One of them has to do it. Also, this is wild, and it's a crazy thought, I know, but we might actually see Logan in points finally. Is that absolutely crazy? Yes, but hear me out, listen, okay? He won the Austria F2 feature car race just last year, that was 2022. I mean, yeah, because, you know, a couple people got disqualified, I'm not going to not mention that. But he was still on the podium before they got disqualified, he just went up to first. So he was technically still there. And I think that just that little thing, you know, that he got, I just have this little idea in my head that maybe he'll it'll give him like a little boost for this weekend. Like, you know, I know it. I did it. I could do it again because he has not been doing anything this season. No offense. Um, also, so my final thoughts, we're going to see Alonzo on the podium, obviously. Carlos on the podium. 
I do think he might be driving a little better than Charles this year. Maybe I'm biased. You guys can sue me, but I will stand by it. Also, and I'm saying Mercedes, I can't really decide between George or Lewis. Like, I'm not sure who would get it. I think they're both driving pretty well this season, but it's going to probably be a Mercedes. The rest of the points, I'm giving it to Williams because Alex is my boy, and I do think Logan can pull something off. I'm giving to McLaren because I really do think their upgrades are finally kind of coming into play, and I love Lando. And we're going to give Yuki points because that dude continues to grow every race, and I think I love him. Anyways, we're giving some to Valtteri because I don't know about you guys, but like, I vibe with him. I think he deserves all the points. You get points. And I'm giving points to Alpine like as a whole because I just couldn't really decide between Esty and Pierre. So, Alpine, you get points. And I mean, that's pretty much it for our predictions, but we're not done yet because there were some fun headlines this week. Because, for example, according to Formula Uno, Sports Illustrated, and some more sources, Red Bull will evaluate Danny in a three-day test this summer. And while they say Paris is still safe at the moment, they want to see what Ricardo can do and keep their options open. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised as Paris's performance has been lackluster since Baku and Red Bull has been known to pull the plug very fast, especially after they put out statements like X driver's seat is safe. Do we think this will be the start of silly season? Any thoughts? I mean... It's not going to be the first time that we have heard them say, or heard any team say, such and such driver is safe. And then that turns out to be a bold-faced lie. It's not the first time. It sure as hell isn't going to be the last. I think we may definitely get a little bit of some silly season chaos. I know people have probably also heard about the rumblings about Nick DeVries. Alpha Terry's not sure what to do about him. Helmet's kind of questioning his decision. Like... I really do kind of smell silly season coming a little earlier than it normally would, but that makes it a little bit more fun for us and gives us some more stuff to try to keep track of. But I will say I'm pretty excited to see Danny get put up and get tested um, this coming summer because I would love to see what he does in the car and to see that spirit and everything come back alive. When you had happy, go lucky, smiling Danny, that was very precious moments. And I want him to find that fire again. He lost it and he took that year off to get it back. And I hope that he gets it back and we see him on the grid. I mean, even just the Red Bull Nordschleife thing in Germany that they announced with Danny, Seb, and now Yuki. Even that, like him talking about that, it's so precious. Like you can see how happy he is. He just wants to be back in a car. And I feel like, as Hannah said, he needed that year off to, like, rediscover his passion. I will say I'm always excited to see Danny drive, so sign me up. I'll be watching. But I am really excited to watch the race this weekend, though, because it's going to be a sprint. It's only the second one of the season, and I feel like since we're a little bit more into the season, maybe there's some people who will actually try going for it just to get that point. Logan... You have nothing. I would try. So 
I do want to see that because I kind of like the sprint races, even though I know the drivers don't because they think it's stupid. At least like most of them do. It's kind of cool to watch. And other than that, we do have Merck, Ferrari, and Aston Martin. They're catching up with Red Bull. I think it was like a 9.6 or 2 second thing that they had in Montreal that they were apart. And that's a huge difference when they were like over 30 behind Max. So I want to see if maybe this track works a little better with Aston's recent upgrades. And aside for that, if the track's like any good for Ferrari, because I'm a little worried that the only reason Ferrari won last race was because one, Charles and Carlos did not listen to, you know, the team. And two, I think they were saying that that race, that track specifically was just good for the car. So I'm hoping it wasn't a one-off and that was just a good track for them. And that's why they got such high up in the points. And now here they're going to get screwed over. Of course, Carlos did well last year, but you never know with Ferrari. I cry every weekend, so I never know. This is our first time back since we lost Dietrich. And I know that Red Bull just got their century win. So I honestly, I do see them on the podium. I feel like those two things alone are going to push them to get podium, whether it's a like you know, one, two, or just alone with Max or Checo, it's going to be Red Bull somewhere. I am really hoping that Red Bull gives us some, like, Donka DD, like they did last year. Something on the car to just kind of give him a little homage. I just, I always think it's really sweet when they do stuff like that. So I'm really hoping that we maybe get even, like, a specialty helmet from Max. I don't know. We'll see. Speaking of Red Bull... News came out today that AlphaTari is no longer going to be AlphaTari after this season. So, what do we think they're going to be called? Like, is it going to go back to Toro Rosso? Helmet says we're not telling anyone until 2024. So, very curious to see what they're going to be called. I, for one, hope that they move away from an A name because we have so many A name on the grid that it would be interesting to have something different, Manea, that sets them kind of apart from everybody else. As far as what name they pick, I have no clue, and I could sit here guessing all day, every day, and still not figure it out, probably. But just not an A name, please. I'm also curious to see what their new sponsors are going to be, since Helmet also said they're going to have completely new sponsors. So... That also, I mean, obviously that goes hand in hand with a new livery as well, especially since they're going to be a new team. So it's going to be complete rebrand. So I'm just curious. And also with the whole Nick DeVries drama, is this really going to push for them to get rid of him since they're going to be a completely different team? Who knows? My guess is that more than likely it's going to be some kind of name in Italian. They are normally headquartered in Italy. So we'll see unless they decide to move where the team's going to be headquartered. We'll find out, I guess, in 2024. I'm really excited to see what they do with this brand. I'm really hoping for something like punchy and colorful. And I'm really excited to see what they have for sponsors. I bet is there'll be some tech companies. But I'm just real. I want some good, vibrant color. I feel like everything is pretty blacks, reds, navies. I want something real colorful i'm just wondering because i don't know if you guys saw that danny came out and he said he'd be happy to retire with red bull if that was like a thing but do you do you see him going to alpha tori and saying like f it i'm just gonna go here and then maybe they'll move me to red bull because he wants to retire with red bull i mean honestly 
even though AlphaTauri, as they're still known, is considered the Red Bull junior team, if you will. I, like he said in the, Danny has said in the past that he doesn't want like to go to a lower class team. He wants to go to one of the big teams. But at the same time, I feel like at this point, he's realistic enough to like realize maybe I have to do one or two years in the midfield and then get moved up. But who knows? And also, fun fact on AlphaTauri, they're actually moving some of their factory stuff to Red Bull. So that would also be interesting to see. So I think if the car had some upgrades that were very similar to Red Bull, we could potentially see him over there because then the car can actually compete a little bit better with the midfield versus now it's doing good, but it's not doing amazing. I, for one, really do think that Danny's going to do, going to kind of hold it out until he can get with the top team. I know that Rebel's pretty secure with Checo, but you never know. But, you know, this man has surprised me more than once in his career with moving from Red Bull to Reynolds to Reynolds to McLaren to retiring, then third driver. So we'll see what the cards hold for him. I could potentially see Danny saying I'm going to do a year at AlphaTauri because the fact that Checo is going to be having a fourth kid, he's going to have a lot of kids that are all around school age. He may pull a Sebastian Vettel and say, you know what, I need to focus on my family. And if Danny's already in with AlphaTauri and in the Rebel family, it could be a very feasible just here, let's just slide him on into Checo's open seat. And boom, we get Danny back at Rebel and we get Maxwell and we get all the fantastic content again. But I don't know. I don't also want to put that out into the universe because I do want to see if Checo's got some fight left in him. But who knows? Maybe he's going to decide that he needs to focus on his family. This is the only reason I really think that Alpha Tori might be, whatever it's going to be called, why I think it's happening. And it was because I read the quote and I was like reading between the lines, but he said this would for me, this would be like the fairy tale. Honestly, the fairy tale ending would be to finish my career here if I could have it all on my way. But we'll see because I'll probably have to work my way up a little bit. But it's really nice to be back here. And that little line, I have to work my way up a little bit. He has to go to Alpha Toy. They're going to stick him there at least for a year or two until Checo is done. Or maybe Max decides to go crazy and retire because he's bored of being a champion and go to IndyCar. I think that was that little, just that one little sentence made me think, okay, he has to work his way up from AlphaTauri. That's going to be the contract. I agree with Chelsea. I think it is most realistic to see him do a year at AlphaTauri, like Chelsea said, and then work his way back up to Red Bull. But I would love to see him back in a Red Bull since he was amazing at Red Bull. He had wins. He was fighting at the top. He had a domination era back in 2014-2015, so I'd be super excited to see that, but I also know AlphaTauri and Red Bull have more than one option. They have Liam Lawson, who is another option for AlphaTauri. I know Alex Palu from IndyCar 
has expressed serious interest in the AlphaTauri seat. And they also, I know Helmet has also talked about in the past that he wants to see some improvement from Yuki and then bump him up to the Red Bull Racing team from that AlphaTauri seat. So they have a lot of decisions to make, and I'm very curious to see what's going to happen between those two teams and who we'll see on the grid next season. I will say, Danny does have a famous quote out there that says, enjoy the butterflies. And I wonder if, you know, as he's envisioning the future with AlphaTauri or Red Bull, he's kind of just taking it and going with the flow, which sounds exactly like him, to be honest with you. (laughs) And then Yuki... I love Yuki. He's he's amazing. His smile, his hilariousness is to die for. But I do think he's got a few more years of maturing and working and getting with the team aspect before he hits the big leagues. Because you still do see some of that freshness in the field come out that he hasn't necessarily grasped fully yet. But he does do very good on races. So... Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So I love that Hannah brought up the Enjoy the Butterflies quote from Danny because that's actually my wallpaper on my phone. But I do have to agree. I think Yuki still has some growing to do, not necessarily in his height because stuck being a shorty like me. But I still think there's some maturing he has to do as a driver. But I definitely think he could be up there um, in the future. In fact, for anybody who does not follow Red Bull on social media, there are videos of Yuki and Max driving around these like monster trucks and they have to crawl through the suspension of the car to get in that you can't get in through the door because they're so lifted. And it is the funniest thing to see little Yuki in this big lifted truck, big mud tires. It's monster sized and it's the Probably my new favorite thing on the internet. Um, Also the video of Max, because he is just bouncing around. I highly recommend that you check it out if you need a good giggle. Just a fun tidbit, the Austria GP has extended their contract till 2027. So we'll see Spielberg for a couple more years. So excited to see what comes next and see if we get any more yellow flags or DNFs or craziness that this circuit brings. All right, and the last little fun bit before Amy gets into our pre-outro for us, I'm going to give a shout out to Alpine for their new investors because it includes Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and Michael B. Jordan. But more importantly, sorry, Michael, Ryan and Rob, they turned Wrexham around when they put a stake in them. So I see good things in the future for Alpine because of this. That's a little fun thing that I wanted to add in, give them a little shout out, some love. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, let me be your best friend. Now, as Chelsea had mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we were pulling out our crystal balls for this episode. So I immediately had to bring out my favorite Sebastian Vettel quote. I've gotten balls, but none of them are crystal. So that's our funny driver quote of the week. Thanks y'all so much for being with us for another race prediction. Did you miss my voice during the last couple episodes? Probably not. Anyways. Don't forget to check out all of our socials tomorrow for my special TikTok predictions because, as you know, too superstitious for this. And 
As always, everywhere we are Paddock Girls Podcast, except on Twitter there, you can find us at Paddock Girls Pod. We want to hear your predictions also. So reach out, let us know on any of those platforms. Thanks for joining us in the paddock. We'll see you in Austria. Peace out, Craig. Goodbye, Craig. Bye, Craig. See you later. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig.